Welcome to the Well-Balanced 360 Podcast, where we dive into the latest and best tips on medicine and spirituality to help you master your health and overcome your fears so that you can feel your absolute best. I'm your host, Dr. Shivani, a licensed medical doctor, a yoga nerd, and a wellness enthusiast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be here. Now let's dive in. This episode is all about continuous glucose monitoring and the importance of metabolic health. I'm lucky enough to be joined today by one of the co-founders of a new technology app called Very Stable. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic to be here. And I think we're on the same mission. So that's cool to see. Amazing. You know, for those that don't know who you are, can you give a little background of who you are and why you started this company? Sure. My name is Werneri Yamru. I'm Finnish-American, so both my parents are Finnish, but I actually grew up in the United States. I grew up in Texas. Well, I'm also the co-founder and head of product at Vary, and Vary is a food intelligence platform, as we like to call it, but we basically help people track their glucose and derive insights on the food that they're eating and that way improve their metabolic health. That's incredible. I've been using your continuous glucose monitor for almost two weeks now, so I can't wait to delve into that a little bit more. But why glucose monitor? Why this versus something else? Sure. Well, glucose really is the ultimate leading indicator for metabolic health. What a lot of people don't realize is that metabolic health is a spectrum. And a lot of people actually are metabolically ill. A lot of people have come across the studies where 88% of Americans are metabolically ill. And what a lot of people don't realize is that metabolic dysfunction manifests in many different ways. So depending on how deep into the spectrum of dysfunction you are, it manifests in different ways. At the worst end, it can be type 2 diabetes. Even cancer is linked to metabolic dysfunction. But when you come earlier on the spectrum, it's weight gain, it's poor sleep, it's low energy, it's brain fog. So I think a lot of these symptoms that people have, metabolic dysfunction may be the root cause of it. And so glucose can actually shed light on what really is going on metabolically. And that's why a lot of people could stand to benefit from tracking glucose. You bring up a great point because even for women, infertility is such a big thing these days and PCOS is commonly diagnosed, but at the root of it, as a physician, I know this, it is an insulin problem. It's a glucose issue. And many people don't realize that. And once you can cure that root problem, it tends to go away. And same thing with Alzheimer's now, they're saying it's type three diabetes because the glucose clumps together in the brain and you can't even get the signals. So you end up getting Alzheimer's. And so you bring up a great point. It's not just diabetes and it's not just diabetic people that should be monitoring their glucose. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I like your app as well. So it gives a metabolic score. It gives a stability score and it gives a variability score. Can you walk me through the difference between all three? The way that we've kind of approached scoring is not like distract you with too many different numbers. That's not what we want to do, but we want to help you interpret the glucose data in the most simple way possible. 
And so for that, we have the stability score, which ranks or gives you a score on how well your body metabolizes any given meal. And the interesting thing there is that, yes, like food is the primary driver of how your body metabolizes it, but sleep, exercise, and even the meal timing can have an impact. So our stability score reflects all of those factors. And so the stability score basically gives you a ranking of the different meals that you're eating. Then we have a metabolic flow, and that's more of a daily score. So that gives you an overview of how you're doing metabolically for any given specific day. And that allows you to see how you're progressing day to day. For me, it's interesting to see how, for instance, on Fridays and Saturdays, on weekends, I tend to have lower scores when I might be eating out with friends and whatnot. And then we have additional metrics that we bring in in the form of different final reports that help people then assess the long-term direction that their metabolic health is headed. And the variability score, does it incorporate the meal timing? Is a higher score good or is a lower score good? What are you shooting for? The main thing really with glucose monitoring, glucose tracking is to stabilize blood sugar. So when your blood sugar is stable, that's when you're staying insulin sensitive and you're not overly spiking insulin. So the primary goal of the very app really is to get you to stabilize your blood sugar. So whenever you eat a meal that has a low glycemic variability, your blood sugar doesn't spike after the meal, the app scores that favorably. So you'll get a score of eight, nine, or 10. And if you do have a spike after a meal, let's say you're eating something with processed carbs or some added sugars, then you'll probably have a spike and the app will give you a lower score. Okay. And in terms of blood sugar levels, what are we looking at? What is a good number to shoot for prior to a meal and after a meal? Sure. There's lots of different thresholds that people would refer to, but typically in a healthy person, below 100 milligrams per deciliter is ideal. And afterwards, any spikes above 140 start to be not so ideal. So keeping spikes below 140. But there's a lot of nuance that goes into this. And as the whole industry and space is moving forward, we're better understanding exactly like where those thresholds lie. How often should somebody be monitoring or keeping track of their sugar levels? Yeah, that's a great question that we get a lot. This really depends from person to person. It also depends on what somebody's objective is. We have folks that are athletes and are looking to optimize their food intake before and after their athletics. And so they find themselves using quite frequently. But then somebody else who just wants to kind of check in and see how they're doing, they might try one sensor and test vary out for two weeks and that's it. They'll get a lot of the insights already in that period of time. And we have seen people come back then six months, nine months later, perhaps when they are again, trying out a different diet, or maybe we've had some people where after they move to a new city, they want to kind of check back in and see how their new habits are aligned with their metabolic health. So it really depends on the individual and what the objective is. So there's no common time you recommend. I know when I first got my monitor, I was sitting there tracking it like every hour. (laughs) My friends were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, this is cool. I just love seeing where I'm at. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When you're wearing the sensor, we recommend people to track and scan the sensor as much as possible. 
we want to help people be more aware. So when you're wearing Mensor, absolutely scan it as much as possible and see where your blood sugar is at at different times of the day. It's quite fascinating how it moves even just throughout the day, how it reacts to stress, how it reacts to poor sleep, to exercise. So all of these insights can be had probably over the course of the first two weeks, but we really recommend most folks to wear Vary for one to three months to really start diving deeper. Yeah, you bring up a great point because hemoglobin A1C, which is what we monitor when you're coming in for a regular checkup to a physician, that is monitored your blood sugar for a span of three months. And so I agree. I feel like people should be wearing it, you know, even if you're not diabetic to see where your blood sugars are and what affects it for a span of three months. It gives you a good indication of where your body's at. And you bring up a great point with stress because recently, given the events of everything that's been going on in the U.S. and all over the world, I've noticed in the past week that my stress levels have caused massive sugar spikes. <laughs> it's to be expected, but what's a good way if somebody has a sugar spike at like 10 p.m. from stress to kind of stabilize it? Is there a way? Good sleep is really important. But if you do have a spike, just taking a walk, it's crazy how much impact even just a general walk can have five, 15 minutes. So those are probably the easiest things to do to get back in balance. I agree. And I know that's something you guys recommend in the app. Does your app monitor other things such as sleep and exercise? And how does it do that? Good question. Yeah, we actually import sleep and exercise from Apple Health. So if you have other wearables, sleep trackers, things like that, Vary will import those automatically into the app. And you can see everything in there. Yeah, that's right. So you'll be able to see exactly how sleep, exercise, but then also what you're eating is impacting your glucose and vice versa. Okay. And I know I read in there, meal planning obviously is pretty important for your sugar levels. What would you recommend for someone that's busy, like an entrepreneur or someone that is constantly on the go? What's your best recommendation in terms of meal planning and stabilizing your blood sugar? That's a tough one. Diet is so personal that I think most people are going to have their own inclinations into which direction they go. But the cool thing and the thing that you can see with Vary is all the stuff around your diet that also impacts how your body responds to food. So the same meal eaten at different times of day, your body will digest it, will metabolically absorb it in a different way. That's something that's really fascinating. And I think my, some like general rules of thumb that we've seen play out across a lot of different people is eating earlier in the day. So if you're super busy, even if you don't have time to cook a proper meal, you can really help your body metabolically just by making sure to eat during daylight hours, avoiding eating after dark taking a walk after having that meal and staying active is another thing that we see pretty regularly is even just, let's say that you have a run in the morning or you hit the gym, your blood sugar will be way more stable for 24 up to 48 hours afterwards. There's a lot of little things that you can do to ease your body's response to these different foods, even if they might not be the best foods. Mm -hmm. What about if somebody exercises at like 11 p.m.? Do you see a difference there in their blood sugar levels? I haven't tried out exercising that late myself, so I'm not sure about that one. I do know one of my friends who's used a glucose monitor and exercises late for some odd reason. I'm not sure okay. why. 
and it does tend to cause a sugar spike, but then stabilizes it immediately after that. He's a night owl. So <laughs> got it. Yeah, that's the other thing is it's not a hard written rule. Like really what underlies that rule is circadian rhythm. So some people are aligned differently to what's going on outside in terms of daylight and nighttime. So it could be if your circadian rhythm is shifted later, that it won't even be a problem. But jumping back to the exercise, pretty fascinating is being able to see the difference between aerobic and anaerobic exercise. So aerobic exercise typically will bring blood sugar down and kind of a steady slope. But if you have really high intensity exercise, you probably see a blood sugar spike. And a lot of people might be kind of shocked at that and, you know, maybe concerned whether that's good or a bad thing, but that's actually totally normal. And you actually want that response from the body. And that's just an indication of the body clearing all the glycogen that's stored in the muscle tissue. You bring up a great point. I believe the same thing goes with saunas. When you sit in a sauna with the monitor, correct me if I'm wrong, I've seen sugar spikes go up with that as well, but it's a good thing because your body's detoxing all the things it doesn't need. Yeah, the sauna is a tricky one. We've seen mixed things there. Hard to comment yet what exactly the patterns there are. One thing that's good to note is, is temperature. So temperature can have an effect on both your physiology, but even just the hardware of the sensor. So there can be misreadings there in extreme temperatures. Good to know. You talked about this a little prior, but in terms of how does intermittent fasting or fasting in general affect your sugar levels? The cool thing about fasting is that you're basically allowing your body to reach that homeostasis again, right? Most Americans, most of us, we have a lot of dietary stress. We're eating a lot of processed carbs, a lot of processed sugars, and we're going through this blood sugar roller coaster day in and day out. But fasting is really cool because you allow your blood sugar to stabilize and you allow your insulin to stabilize. Yeah, definitely thumbs up for fasting. I love fasting myself. I do circadian fasting whenever I get the chance. I try to incorporate it two to three times a week, and it definitely helps to stabilize my sugar levels over time. It's great. I love it. In terms of your daily food intake, what does that look like for you? I eat a pretty meat-based diet. So I eat a lot of red meat, some salmon. I eat a lot of dairy a lot of foods with lots of healthy fats and proteins. I've been delving a lot more into fermented foods as well. So kimchi, different sauerkrauts, things like that. And I typically eat two meals a day and I try to squeeze them in a pretty narrow window. So I usually follow an 18-6, so 18 hours of fasting and then a six-hour eating window. And I try to time that pretty early in the day. So I'll usually wake up, have a really nice big breakfast, and then I'll have a late dinner around 2 p.m. or so. And then I'll fast for the rest of the day until the next morning. Wow, that's incredible. I don't think I've heard of anybody doing it that way. I feel like just the way people eat in America is way different. And dairy here might just be different from the dairy that you're getting, but it tends to cause a lot of gut issues and even the meat here. So I'm intrigued that you said that a lot of red meat and dairy, you don't tend to have any gut issues. That's the thing, actually. We missed a little bit of this at the beginning, but 
one of the main reasons or motivations for me getting into building this product is I had a lot of trouble with my diet growing up. So I was actually diagnosed with ulcerative colitis when I was younger, when I was 14. So I had a really tricky relationship with food. I remember there'd be weeks where I wasn't able to eat anything. I was on just an IV drip in the hospital. Wow. And that kind of planted some seeds in my mind. I didn't really realize this until about three, four years ago when I had just failed my previous company. And that's when I had this light bulb moment of, hey, why have I ignored this side of me? I think up to that point, I'd always wanted to forget that I had this disease. But I realized that I need to use that as motivation to really use technology and to start solving these big questions that we're facing in the healthcare industry. I've had a long journey with food and where I've arrived today with my diet has been from just the need of, I really have to figure this out or otherwise I'm going to not be in a good shape with my colitis. But actually I've been able to control my colitis completely with diet. So I'm off all medications and few tips or cornerstones that I follow there is just really good quality food. So my number one rule is just eating nothing that is processed. So when it comes to whether that is meat or vegetables or carbs, just avoiding processed foods at all costs. And the dairy also is quite controversial. I know there's a lot of people that don't do well with dairy. And for me, there also, I've noticed huge differences in the quality of dairy. So is the dairy pasteurized or unpasteurized? Is it homogenized or non-homogenized? Like humans have been eating dairy for tens of thousands of years, even longer than that. But pasteurization is something that is relatively modern. And we're just now starting to understand that that actually changes the chemical composition of the food in pretty interesting ways. I'm really excited about the food space, even in that regard. And I'm anticipating that in the next decade, we're going to start to see a lot more nuance in terms of, okay, there's a lot of studies that are linking different food groups or foods to different diseases. But right now, we're not looking closely enough at the quality of those foods in those studies. I'm curious to hear, did your ulcerative colitis get better after you moved from the United States? Or was it prior? Did you start making those changes when you lived in Texas? Yeah, it was kind of a gradual process. First, like started cutting out all sugars. So I just cut out all sugars from my diet. And I just intuitively found myself feeling better and better as I did that. So I just started with not eating candy. And then I just realized I was feeling better and better. So I just kept getting more strict with that rule. And I also did cut out dairy. I avoided dairy for a really long time. I reintroduced dairy about a year ago. So far, I haven't had any problems with that, but I've been very strict with getting quite high quality dairy. That's incredible. And for someone in the US, I feel like 95% of us, the number's probably even higher, <laughs> have gut issues. What advice would you give somebody that's trying to make changes in their diet? Because you've experienced it yourself. And, you know, it's hard to just if you've been eating dairy and meat and all those things here in the United States to make a shift overnight. So what tips would you give somebody that's struggling but wants to make that change? I won't give any specific dietary advice. I don't think that's the way. And that's kind of what we also, the stance that we've taken with Vary is that we don't want to be an authority telling you, hey, you should do this or you should do that or you should eat this or you should eat that. 
Rather, we want to empower you. We want to give you the tools to draw those conclusions on your own. And technology is like a fantastic way to do that. CGMs are a fantastic way to do that. Because now, for the first time, we have an objective way to actually gauge whether what we're doing in regards to our lifestyle, whether that be diet, exercise, or sleep, how that's impacting our health, how that's impacting how we feel. So my kind of advice would be to really just start being curious, start noticing the little nuances in how you feel. If I eat this, how am I feeling? If I eat at this time, how am I feeling? Just changing little things one at a time and just really observing how that's like impacting your feelings. And I think having an objective data stream like Barry can really, really aid that process. That's beautiful. Just basically listening and tuning into your own body because everyone's, it's individualized. I love that. I have to ask, there are other glucose monitors out there. You're one of probably five that I've heard of since it's like the latest biohacking trend. Why should people choose your device over somebody else's? The way that we've approached this is that we want to transcend metabolic health. We want to be bigger than metabolic health. And really, if you look at metabolic health, food is 80% of it. Food is the primary lever in improving metabolic health. And food is something that each and every one of us has a relationship with. Most of us eat three times a day, but metabolic health is something that may not necessarily spark interest in a lot of people. But I think food it's a lot easier for people to understand that, hey, what you eat impacts how you feel and how much energy you have. So we've really taken a strong stand with our product in terms of being the best and giving you insights around your food. That kind of manifests in different features in the app. For instance, being able to see with each meal that you eat, hey, what were the contributing factors here? We have these things that we call lifestyle levers that show you, hey, you slept poorly the night before. This might be causing your body to metabolize this meal not in an ideal way. Or hey, you exercise this morning, that's actually having a really positive effect on your metabolism today. Or let's say that you eat at a time that's not ideal for your body, then the app will tell you that. So we've really worked hard in making that cause and effect in terms of nutrition as easy as possible. And I can attest to that because I've been wearing it for almost two weeks now. And so how can you make this more accessible? Where can people find you guys? Is it available online? Where can they go to get more information or get the product? Yeah, absolutely. The best way to get your hands on Vary is to head to www.varystable.com. And we just actually launched our US pre-sale. And by signing up on the website, we're rolling out access to that. And we expect to be shipping to the US at some point already in May. That's so exciting. I've already had a few friends ask me, they're like, how can we get our hands on it? So that's great to know. One last question before you go that I want to ask, and I tend to ask all my guests here. The reason I started this podcast is because for me as a physician, And with my spiritual background, I believe it's one and of the same to get your body back into homeostasis and balanced, hence the name well-balanced, 360. Do you as a 
health and wellness entrepreneur believe that there's a connection between health and spirituality or do you have a spiritual practice oh 110 percent like absolutely we have a, a value at very and it's believing in magic and the thing about magic is that magic is just undiscovered science right it's science that hasn't been done yet and i think in the health space there's a lot of science that hasn't been done yet I think spirituality is one of those things. So really understanding holistically how mind, body, and spirit really all connect. I think we're just beginning to scrape the tip of the iceberg on that. I love that. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. And again, can you just give the website of where people can go to order the continuous glucose monitor? Yeah, that's www.verystable.com. And very is, it's V-E-R-I stable.com. And just by dropping your email online, we'll reach out to you and get you set up. Thank you so much. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Well Balanced 360 podcast. I'm truly grateful for all of you and excited to have you join me on this health and wellness journey. Please be sure to stay connected with me over at drshivaniamin.com or any of my social media platforms. If you found this episode to be helpful, I would truly appreciate it if you would also hit that subscribe button and make sure to tell all your friends so you don't miss any future episodes. I'll catch you next week.